Tis the dawn of creation, and the earth brought forth McDonald's. Plants yielding McDoubles after their kind, trees bearing tubular cakes with cream in them. And God said this was good. Satan is at our door, and it's not the World Health Organization, it's not Communist China, it's not even the big scary liberals. It's sugar, and the church is eating it up. I'm going to drop two hot takes on you before we get to the bulk of this discussion. Number one, whole foods, clean eating, and physical fitness should go hand in hand as the standard rule for Christian life, not some alt-fringe exception. Number two, here now, Christian, the world owes you nothing. In the postmodern age, as Judeo-Christian values fall to the wayside, how will the faithful respond and stand out in a world where your faith costs you more than you've ever been required to pay? You are made in the image of God, and it's time our bodies begin reflecting that. Today, we're going to look at what is the problem? Why is it a problem for us as the church? What does the Bible have to say about it? And what can we realistically do to address the problem with grace and love for our Christian family and being an example of the faith, being made in the image of God, and for society as a whole, whereas Christians, we should stand out. Let's dive in. To get a large fry at McDonald's in the United States of America is to get a quantity of fries that you literally cannot buy in a single serving at any other McDonald's outside of the United States. A recent study showed that portion sizes between Paris, France and the average restaurant in Philadelphia were four times larger in Philadelphia. Between 1975 and 2016, obesity rates in the United States have tripled and it's only gone up since then. A person attending church more than once a month is 50% more likely in the United States to be obese by middle age than a non-church attending person. Why is the church silent on this? Why do we have a severe lack of responsible leadership? Why is the church leaving it up to the secular culture to define the health standards? You are made in the image of God, and again, it's time our bodies began reflecting that. This should be the rule, not the exception. We all have a responsibility here. Your body should be an identifying marker. It should be a witness, especially as we move forward in today's world. This should be priority, Christian living. Our diet as Americans is over 60% food products that contain added sugar. And now that we're seeing the rise of nutritionism as opposed to whole foods and health, we're seeing things that may say healthy and low sugar or no sugar that are really under the disguise of things like sugar alcohols and carob and different things that have the same effect as sugar on your body. America as a country spends more on healthcare than any other country on the planet by far. It's not even close. And we have... Not the lowest health outcomes, but significantly lower health outcomes than most countries on the planet to show for that money that goes in. It is, in, it is, it is a part of the money sh machine. It's not in the country or, or financial best interests of corporations for the population to eat, be healthy. There's not a lot of money when people are eating just real food. There's a ton of money to be made when people can manufacture food products that are much cheaper than creating wholesome real food and that are much more tantalizing to the census to where we have generations growing up 
that have just been sandblasted with sugar and salt, and that's what they know about flavor, and that's what we eat. And the lack of discipline in society with children coming up, well, my kids won't eat anything. I can't feed them anything but sugar. Uh, they, they won't eat their vegetables. I don't know what to do. We have adults that that don't even know, let alone practice or eat. So much of our adult population doesn't know what an accurate, healthy diet actually looks like or, or why that's important in their life today. So we're going to try to get into some of that because obesity, is, it's not just about looks. And this is why the church needs to be leading a charge on it and not the secular culture because this isn't in our liberal coastal areas, our atheist coastal areas where the, the majority of non-religious population concentrations are. Those are actually our healthier areas for whatever reason obesity is specifically concentrated in the middle in the bible belt not only is the church silent on this but we are actively promoting it the church has become a risk factor for bad health outcomes and this is why we need a principled sound leader that can be done through the local church and through us individually as the christian church in the world we should be set apart we should be setting the example we're not going to see the culture get better. We're going to continue to see the culture degrade and get further away from what our traditional Christian values are. And that can either be a really scary thing or it can be a really empowering thing to know that we've lived in a bubble of Judeo-Christian values that have formed our country and that have benefited us as a population in today's society. And as we enter into this new age of postmodernism, where there is no objective, morality there is no truth there is no right and wrong we're guided solely as the bible would say what is right in our own eyes we should expect nothing less and in that world which many of us have never been a part of we need to be able to stand out we need to be able to be easily identifiable as christian it needs to cost us to go to church it needs to create sacrifice in your life to be a christian again and and see that how how it deepens and strengthens our faith and diet is a fantastic way to get there and it's one that is biblically backed up this is not something that as christians we get a free pass on that that what we do in life doesn't matter you are made in the image of god and respecting the gift of our body that we get one shot in is something that is our responsibility as Christians. It's our responsibility. Not everybody needs to be a bodybuilder, and it's not about even looking good necessarily, but it is about being healthy. It's about having the energy and the drive and the health to be able to follow the purpose that God has for your life. And we are neglecting that if the bulk of our faith comes from paying lip service to certain principles rather than living them out, rather than living the example of self-control, of discipline, of respect for God's creation. These are all very important things. So let's dive into what is the church's responsibility on that. I can honestly say I don't think I have ever, as a consistent lifelong member of the non-denominational Christian church, I don't think I have ever sat through a sermon specifically addressed at our responsibility to physical health. We can talk about all kinds of polarizing issues in the church because it doesn't cost people a whole lot. And in today's world of cancel culture, I'm not trying to cheapen people's hardline stances on things. And I think the church has done a great job at that in many ways. But 
when are we as a church going to provide a message that convicts people to get up and do something about it? When are we going to hold people to a standard that that your life should be a walking example of your faith? And that physical health is a vitally important part of that. The church needs to lead the charge on this because we've seen how the culture leads the charge on this. And the church sees a free pass on it. The church, as us individuals as the church, view it as a free pass because the church as in leaders of the Christian church today and the brick and mortar buildings that we have as the church, as an institution in America, have stayed silent on this issue. Why they've stayed silent, I'm not going to take a guess at. And, you know, I I, I want to present it in a grace-filled, loving way. But then again, I'm not a pastor. And I, you know, I am a Christian. I have the responsibility to provide grace and love through my actions and my words, and I'm doing my best to do that today. But we need people who, who's f- given that gift of preaching, who's given that gift of of the truth and the word, and spreading that, and and collecting people together behind a common vision. And we need to use that power toward health. The go-to verse that people typically bring up in something like this is that our bodies are a temple. You are made. In the image of God. Believers and unbelievers, we are all made in the image of God. We get one body. It's your, your responsibility as a Christian is to treat it with respect. There is sugar, as we discussed earlier, in literally almost every food product that we've morphed out of the food that God gave us. It seems right now that the church's view is, I mean, we, we've seen, you go to church, there's donuts available, there's sugar, there's creamer, there's all of this stuff that is viewed as like, well, it's great to be healthy, but that's not necessarily a requirement. Or, you know, gluttony is only kind of a sin, as the Babylon Bee would put it. I thought their their post on that was spot on. Gluttony now reduced to only kind of a sin. And how great, how great news like that would be celebrated in the Christian community. And how true it is. How there's always a little bit of truth behind jokes. And the Babylon Bee hit it right on the nose. Is that really is the Christian view in, in so many ways. And I hate to see that because... The Bible does exemplify how important it is that your body is not just something to be thrown away. You know, you can't make a case for, well, we're going to heaven. Well, it's in God's hands. Well, this is the body God gave me. No, God gives you the shovel. It's your responsibility to dig the hole. You've got to help yourself in so many ways. And it's your responsibility to know how to care for yourself. We've seen it as far back as the Israelites. One of the first things that God sets up with the law I would be shocked, and maybe I should have looked this up beforehand, but I would be shocked to know how many of these laws specifically related to food in the Israelite population. When God has a chance and practices to come down and lead a country by his own hand with hand-picked leaders of his own, a country to represent him in his name, he spends how much time talking about food, what they ate? That right there should show us uh, how, how important it is to know what is going into your body. It's not just for health freaks or, or bodybuilders or people who make their full-time occupation or hobby about health. That should not be something that's an outlier in the Christian community. It should be something that is standard in the Christian community. And that's not to say that everybody has to be the ideal standard of health, but that should be the goal I struggled with alcohol use for 
years and alcohol use is an alcohol abuse really i have nothing against alcohol use but i struggled with heavy drinking for years i love being drunk i'd love to be drunk right now i'd love to go to church drunk all of that sounds fantastic to me and if i was going to church in an institution and where the church as a whole stayed silent on drug addiction and alcohol abuse and and morality and what that looks like in life I may have. What what would have ever been my motivation to address that problem? And the church has done a great job of addressing that problem. These same studies that show that the church has become a significant risk factor in obesity also show that religious participation significantly reduces alcohol abuse in the population. Study also linked in the show notes if you want to fact check that. When the church, the studies show that when the church steps up and leads, that we see a difference, that And that's what the church should be for. It's about community. It's about creating a difference and uniting people behind a vision that is God-centered and living lives that are a walking example of of what he would have for us and equipping ourselves and taking care of our bodies so that we can live out that purpose. So we've seen it in the Israelite laws, the importance of eating healthy. We've seen it in Daniel where, you know, while imprisoned, was offered all of this luxury food, all of these things that the, that the king wanted to to lavish on these prisoners. And Daniel intentionally, even in a time of need, pushing back on that and saying, I choose whole food. I choose vegetables and, and the things that he was eating in there, things that were honoring to God by honoring God through his body, things that he could control. And even in a time of need, disciplining himself toward that end and being rewarded for it. And I think that is something that is so overlooked in our society today where talking about hunger is like, you couldn't possibly be hungry. You must be starving yourself. That's unhealthy. Everybody needs to step back from that. How many people experience hunger in America in the 21st century? Not a lot of us. And that's not to say that it's not out there. I'm not discrediting, you know, different food disparities around the world. But I'm saying that the average person in the Christian church today does not experience hunger. That's something that can be good. How often is fasting put forth as a technique for connecting with God, for increasing your spiritual presence and and the Holy Spirit in you? Like those are very important things that just get thrown out and and laid by the wayside. They're, They're things that require sacrifice and work. And we've seen the consequences of it from the study we showed earlier, where we're 50% more likely as regular churchgoers to be obese by middle age. And, you know, if we can't have the self-control to discipline ourselves and take care of our bodies, to teach our children the discipline of what it is to eat healthy whole foods, to not eat sugar all the time, to not be able to recognize what a processed food product is as opposed to whole food that God created and that God gave us, that shouldn't be an alt fringe methodology of people that are just obsessed with health. That should be standard Christian living that as a Christian, what I eat is whole food that God gave us, not food that man took and then made into his own. And we're going to get into that next about what can we realistically do about it? What does that look like played out in our lives? And how can we start to take steps toward that end? Because like I said, I don't want to just criticize an institution that I think is very important in our society. It's easy to criticize and not make any real change myself or, or contribute to a solution. I want to jump into what we can realistically do to start the trend in the other direction and be part of that solution.
So I did my best to condense this down into something, pun intended, easily digestible for everybody to make a realistic step forward in the life. In a culture where it's not just that we've stepped away from wholesome, healthy living within the last couple generations, within about the last 60, well, since the 70s. It's not just that we've stepped away from health and whole living overall. It's more so that we stepped away and we've replaced it with the rise of nutritionism. The discipline and the morality behind our responsibility as human beings to take care of ourselves, to know what we're putting in and why that's important and how it affects us, I think speaks more to Christian living than the average theology book on our shelves today. Because again, it's easy to pay lip service to a concept that doesn't cost you anything. It's a different thing to get up and take care of the body that God gave you and to live out that purpose. So that when people look at you, they know that's a person that's disciplined. That's a person that's willing to go the extra mile to take care because they know that they're made in the image of God, that God created them and gave them that body as a gift and that they're doing what they can to respect that. That's a huge thing. I think that should be an instant marker for Christians, especially as we get deeper and deeper into a culture that is heading very much the opposite direction. We can't expect the culture to go in our direction again. As we said earlier, we've lived in a bubble of Judeo-Christian values. The society has benefited us. We should expect this tide to turn in the way that it is. We should not expect it to be getting any better. Now, I'm not criticizing anybody who would try. That's great. But you certainly should not expect it. What is, their, what is their obligation? The world doesn't owe us anything. The world is not here to cater to the Christian faith. And God did not set up. The fallen world is not set up to sustain or entertain a, a concept like that. It, it's not going to happen. And it's going to give us an opportunity to be stronger in our faith. What is our faith going to cost us moving forward? How are we standing out as Christians? Because I would argue that as a result... As, an, as one of the negative results of living in a mostly Christian society that is now starting to turn away from that, we've become complacent. It's pretty difficult to identify a Christian outside of your average atheist or any, any person of any other religion, because what is differentiating us if our bodies don't look any different, which is the point that we're talking about today, if our actions, I mean, maybe we say some things different, hopefully, but like there, we should, faith should cost us. We want to get to the point where we are easily identifiable because we're living out a purpose that is antithetical to the culture that we're living in today, let alone in 2030, 2040. You've seen the seedlings of ideas that we're struggling with and debating today. What is that going to look like 10 years from now? Something to consider. So how do we get started? Where do we go? Not everybody's going to be immediately dropping their entire diet and everything that they've known and accustomed their taste buds to overnight. And that's fine. You don't, you don't need to just like I said, I mean, I didn't expect to be like, I, I, if I had been ostracized from the church through heavy drinking for the last decade of my life, that certainly wouldn't have been helpful either. But with a, a strong leadership and balanced guidance done through the church, I recognize the importance of taking responsibility for my life, that I don't just get a free pass to drink away the days and wait for the end, that it's my responsibility to treat my body and my mind with respect and not abuse it and not stay intoxicated and show a lack of discipline and a lack of self-control. But reality check, I'm here to tell you that all of those things that I just said are both true about alcohol and they're true about sugar. 
And nobody thinks twice about handing out ice cream and donuts every Sunday. Nobody thinks twice about feeding their kids sugar at every single meal. Every sugar, every cereal, every granola, you cannot. I've tried. I can personally attest to this. You can go to Walmart in the cereal aisle. I mean, how many people are eating cereal for breakfast every morning? There is not a cereal that has the word cereal in it that does not have both natural and sugar added into it. Now, I'm not here to make an argument against natural sugar, but we add sugar to everything and we see no problem with that. There are several studies shown, also included in the show notes, that show the addictive properties of sugar. Some overblown, like some, you know, we saw a trend in articles from, again, secular culture talking about sugar, comparing it to cocaine as far as addictive properties. And, you know, maybe that maybe that is a little far. I don't know. But it is certainly on the more conservative end. It shows that the, the same chemical reactions in your brain with dopamine receptors and things like that being activated as a result of processed sugar that is in every single part of every single meal of our American diet today, it all works the same way. And we don't think twice about it because it costs people something because it's, it's something that requires work. Let's make that mainstream. Let's stand out over time. Your taste buds adapt. They evolve. It's a struggle, but there, you know, it's hard to be fat. It's hard to be fit. It's hard to be poor. It's hard to be rich. There is no escape and there is no excuse from hard work. Period. At the end of the day, anything and everything requires hard work, whether it's slower, longer, more painful hard work, or consistently done through small changes day by day. You cannot escape work in life. So make sure that the work that you're putting in is going toward a worthy cause. And as a Christian, that cause should be we are made in the image of God and we should stand out and respect our bodies to that end. We need to be going back toward what the real Genesis 1.12 talks about with vegetation and how from the beginning he has produced what it takes to sustain us. It is not insane to eat like that. It may cost you a little more depending on how you do it. Now, that's a common criticism. It's too expensive to eat healthy. I have a lot of pushback on that front. I don't agree with it on many, but even even if that case is to be made, I see the argument there. Your health is worth investing in. It costs you to tithe that church. Does that mean you're not going to ever give your money to the local church? Because that's clearly laid out as a biblical principle too. It costs you to drive to church, to spend, it costs you time to be there. Your health is worth investing in. You are made in the image of God and your body should reflect that. Your self-control and discipline should reflect that. And that's not to hate on anybody who's not there, but that should be our goal. We want to be accepting of all and moving them with healthy, responsible leadership in the right direction, all of us, and keeping us on track. Get clear about what those goals are. You can't outwork a bad diet, so that is something to consider. You have to start fixing what's going into your body before you can ever have any hope of working it off. So look at... You know, if that's 10 minutes a day, taking a walk around your neighborhood, getting outside, getting sunlight, getting fresh air, getting your blood flowing, looking through all these studies, it is, it is frightening to see how much time the average American spends in front of the television, the amount of time spent sedentary. We don't use our bodies anymore. There's becoming increasingly less and less reason to use our bodies at all because we're in an increasingly digital world. We're more sedentary, eating worse food. And doing less. And our bodies are paying the price for it. And not bodies overall, but bodies of the Christian church are 
disproportionately showing this, we need to be taking the charge in that direction. Again, the rise of nutritionism is killing health in our country. And it's a strange oxymoron the way that that is happening. It's a strange irony that we're seeing in our culture that the more we focus on individual nutrition, the worse our health outcomes become as a nation and as a population. Because we, and Michael Pollan points this out in his book, we know almost nothing about what there is to know about nutrition. Can hold up a piece of broccoli, we know like a very small percentage of what entails the, the, the makeup of that piece of broccoli, let alone all of the reactions that our body is going to have to it and the digestive system, all those things. But we take the very small amount of knowledge that we do have about these things and we expand them out into a whole industry. And that's capitalism. I'm a huge fan of capitalism. I'm not necessarily like it, when it comes to the McDonald's example of being able to get the biggest thing of fries, I'm a huge believer in having the freedom to go get the biggest thing of fries that you can't get at any other country. And a lot of that is what it makes America great. But what also makes America great and what makes being a Christian something that should be taken more seriously is understanding that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because it's not wrong doesn't mean it's right. And we should, Andy Stanley talks a lot about getting further back from that line. Whether or not it's a sin shouldn't necessarily be our measure. More so, is it honorable? Because we should be further back. Our line should be further back. So where can we begin? What is a point that anybody at any level can jump in at to start reversing the trend and getting toward a faith that is lived out through physical health, giving our bodies the respect that it deserves as a witness to the image of God? Ditch the salt shaker, number one. It's a perfectly reasonable, easy step, not asking too much. Anybody can do that. The average American gets an exorbitant amount of sodium in their daily diet because of the level of processed foods that are pumped with sodium. And then adding our own salt on top of that is the reason that heart disease kills more people in America than any other disease, including cancer. It's all the salt. Constantly, our bodies are at a high blood pressure state trying to filter out the, ex the excess sodium in your body. You're more bloated than you know about because of the level of sodium that's constantly trying to filter out of your bloodstream. It's a big mistake when people try to go vegetarian and stuff because once you go in that, the sodium levels skyrocket if you're not careful with what you're eating because you may not be eating meat, but you're still going to these processed foods that they're trying to flavor up through excess salt. So ditch the salt shaker. It's going to be a reasonable sacrifice. Things aren't going to be your usual stimulation on the taste buds when you're not putting crazy amounts of salt on things or intaking crazy amounts of salts, but it'll start the journey of evolving your taste buds and finding new things to enjoy and to like and to branch out into all the amazing food and natural whole foods that God gave us to enjoy from the beginning. So if we can start in that direction, that's going to be a very good beginning. Next up, read nutrition labels. Not even asking for a commitment on following good nutrition, but read them. Get familiar with what they look like. What does, what does sodium look like in all the average food you eat? How long is the ingredient list on staples in your diet? Get familiar with what's in the food that you're eating currently and what that nutrition looks like, how much of it you eat, so you can start to begin to identify where you're at in a good starting point. 10 minutes a day, five days a week, get out. Get some sunlight, take a walk around the neighborhood, 
around the house if you can't get outside, anything. But virtually anybody can start with 10 minutes. And going from 0 to 10 is a huge improvement. There are many studies that show a person going from 0 exercise consistently in their life to even 30 minutes a week, their mortality rate is like instantly cut in half. Um, that's, that's a really great place to start. It's realistic. Even the person in really bad shape can start off with 10 minutes and then you can grow into other things later on down the road. Lastly, drink water. I'm not even asking you yet to stop drinking other things. I know we're addicted to a lot of sugary drinks. We drink a lot of these health juices or energy drinks or things like that, that are packed with just all kinds of man-made chemicals, fake sugars, real sugar, it just all kinds of nasty stuff that is not good for your body and not the way God intended us to fuel our bodies. So eventually the goal is getting to where you're only drinking water and or maybe black coffee. If you like to have caffeine in your day is, is a great, healthy, natural, whole food alternative there as well. So if you can take these four steps, ditch the salt shaker 10 minutes a day, five days a week, get some exercise, get some sunlight, begin to read your nutrition labels and your ingredient list and start drinking water that's going to be a great foundation to move up into next levels of health success is never gained from large monumental groundbreaking decisions it's always small good decisions done consistently day by day over time over and over and over again applying that there is no shortcut that will provide any kind of meaningful or lasting change you cannot escape hard work it's hard to be fat, it's hard to be fit, it's hard to be poor, it's hard to be rich. You will never get away from it. Don't look for it. Don't look for an excuse. Look for the hard way. Whether or not you like something should not be the measure of what is right and wrong. It should not be, well, I don't enjoy that, so it's not an option for me. Our culture is far too much of that and has led us down a road to where we're getting closer and close, closer to there not being any difference at all between Christians and non-Christians. As the family of God, we should be set apart. And this is a, is a foundational first step in reaching to get that. You are made in the image of God. It is worth getting there. If you want a more advanced plan that gets from beginner to intermediate to advanced to eventually get to a level of health that you can be proud of, that you can really invest in, and that will last you over the course of a lifetime to create a lifestyle and not just a fad or a diet, check me out on Substack. Go to the garbage can on Substack and check out where I'm going to drop my thoughts on and give you a plan and, and break it down into something that's easy, printable if you like, on beginner, intermediate, expert steps of getting to health. Because the goal is you start with these beginner steps over time and you build a routine, you build a habit with them. And then you evolve into intermediate steps and you do little change. You keep adding those tiny things, the next right decision into your day. And eventually you get to level health where you can be eating organic and local and you it can be sugar-free, truly sugar-free, not just Splenda sugar-free. You can be alcohol-free. You can be meat-free if that's something on your agenda. There, There is so much life to be had out there. You don't have to accept where you're at now as the end result. It's not just, well, we all get old, or, well, it's time to give up, or it's just that, that time of life, or it's that age, or, oh, I got kids, so I get a free pass on my existence for the rest of forever. It shouldn't be like that. Take control. Take advantage. God has you here for a reason you're still running that race.
get after it. Check it out on Substack. It's called The Garbage Can. Notes will be on there. You can check out the plan and join me in growth.